another episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say I'm here with Stoan Yankov. He is a productivity master and host, indeed, of the Productivity Mastery podcast. He's also an author of this book, Perform uh, the Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. Uh, he's spoken and held workshops in 25 countries across the world. He's worked with a whole magnitude of, of startups. Uh, he is a ball of positive energy in the in the pre-chats before we came on. I was just saying, actually, you should be the positivity coach, not the productivity coach. Uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's going to be a great one, and we're going to learn lots uh, on the topic of productivity, what we can learn from the, the startup world and those uber-productive types in startups uh, and what, how we can apply it to our daily lives. So, Stoyan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Richard. I'm super excited. I listened to some of the episodes that you've been hosting, and I'm impressed by your consistency, first of all, but also how much you care. I do a lot of podcasts, and you're one of these people that is over-prepared. You know, you took the time to read the book, to prepare, to, to make sure that I'm uh, taking care of being human. So thank you for, for having me. No, it's a, it's a great pleasure to have you here. And I think you're the first guest we've had from Sofia in, in Bulgaria, am I right? There you go, man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, how is it there today in, in Sofia? Kind of hot, kind of hot. Um, okay. It's getting increasingly difficult to be outside uh, during the daytime, but uh, it is what it is. Fortunately, ACs, so we can, we can get stuff done and not care about the, the warmth outside. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, for those of our audience who uh, are not familiar with you, yeah, could you give us a little bit of your, your backstory and how you got into this uh, deep interest you now have in productivity? So I was born in Bulgaria, post-communistic Bulgaria, growing up in the 90s. Um, you know, there was a lot of Good things about this period and a lot of not so good things. Uh, but one thing that we learned here in this region is you learn to be really good in survival. You can, you can operate and you can make things happen in, with very limited resources. And I guess uh, one of the values that uh, was very important to, to the parents from, from this generation was uh, for kids to be well-educated and to, to be good human beings. Um, so, uh, long story short, I wanted to be a finance guy. Uh, I did, uh, high school in maths, mathematics. Then I, I did my bachelor in finance, moved to Denmark, did a master degree in finance, empirical finance. So my dream was to be a wall street banker. Never really happened because I got really passionate about movies and the world of cinema and it was a bit of a confusion for close to a year prior to my graduation. But finally, I ended up writing a master thesis on investigating the financial models behind the movie industry and uh, trying to figure out how can you optimize uh, your portfolio of movies if you are a Hollywood executive, which jump-started my career as a movie producer right? The money guy, the business guy, the project manager that understands the storytelling world, but also have in mind business and, and optimizing business processes. So 
I spent four or five years running my video production company with the Danish producer who was my partner at the time, uh, producing commercials, videos, uh, creating digital marketing campaigns for customers, advertisement, you name it. And, uh, and then I shifted and uh, came closer to myself, I guess, which is uh, part of the team of your podcast. <laughs> Um, unveiling the the layers and, and getting closer to who you truly are and what makes you happy. And for me, a lot of happiness comes out of bringing people together. So I, I turned from being a movie producer to being a productivity coach, supporting leaders of organizations to, to be more productive, to be more fulfilled. And then slowly since 2016, uh, kind of found my own way in this industry and started uh, working more and more in groups with, with groups and with teams. Uh, now over 35 countries, actually in the book, it says- 35, right, yes. <laughs> it says 25 right? in the book, but then again, <laughs> the book is from 2020. <laughs> so hundreds and hundreds of, um, of different programs. And when I say programs, I mean, you know, every day is different, Richard. You know the drill, like, um, one day you do a 12-hour workshop, the next day you start a three-day team off-site for the company, then you have some individual coaching clients or, or some other type of programs. But, but it's all about finding solutions for, for teams to work better together, to produce results, but also to feel fulfilled at their workplace. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, I'm happy to go in any direction you want to go so we can, we can create value for your audience. Well, first of all, I think what, what fascinates me is that is that pivot point, you know, because there may be other people listening out there who are on one track and, you know, how do they get onto another track? Because that's a big switch, right? Movie producer to, to coach. So, and you, and you talked about unpeeling some layers. So what was the, yeah, what was the start of that pivot for you? When did you first start to realize you wanted to be on a different track? It was actually at the end, at the age of 20, my, my journey into the world of personal development started uh, when I was uh, still a bachelor student and it was my second year. Uh, and I had no idea about this industry. I have no idea that I can look inside. But one of my classmates at the time gave me a book and it was, uh, now you probably laugh, it was the book of Robin Sharma, the monk who sold his Ferrari. So I've read the book. I've never read it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very cliche book, right? But but it was just this basic inspiration that I needed at the time. So I read this book, and that was maybe my fourth book out of school books that I read in my life. I never okay. read books before that, but then I read this book, and in the next uh, six months, I probably read twenty more books, and I started getting into this, uh, you know, positive thinking and and personal development and. And, and I, I got really into it. So for the, you know, now I'm 36, for the next 16, 70 years, I've been obsessed into the idea of uh, personal leadership, personal development. So I would attend any kind of seminar, um, you know, business conference, leadership conference. Um, a friend of mine invited me to join him, I think 2014, there was this coaching academy and he invited me. And of course I said, yes. So I learned some coaching tools from there and I started applying them, um, having coaching clients while I was business, my, building my video production business. And uh, it was just a matter of time 
it was just a matter of time. But but there was this this one situation which probably was the the biggest uh, turnaround for me. So Richard, I had a coaching client. I actually yeah. had two three coaching clients at the time because I was really busy with the video, and one of them started delivering, producing a lot of results for himself. You know, and I, I would say our coaching sessions probably. Uh, fortified this this improvement yeah. in his life. So he started, uh, you know, he moved to another country. He found a job, girlfriend, a lot of good things, right? We were focused on improving his productivity. And one day after we're done with the session, he wanted to stay a few more minutes just to have a chit chat. And he confronted me <laughs> because I promised to to put together my first public speech slash workshop. And he asked me, how did it go? And of course, I haven't done it because I was afraid. And I told him, well, I was really busy, so uh, I'm definitely going to go for it. And he's like, when? I'm going to give you 30 days and you have to put your first public workshop with at least 50 people. How's that sound? I'm like, okay, fair enough. Uh, I can do that. I'll take the challenge. But if you don't, you have to pay... 500 pounds to a organization that you don't believe in, like extreme feminists or like something like that, right? right? Okay, cool. So hang up the phone. I'm in the middle of 17 video productions. I have no idea how I'm going to make it happen, right? Um, but then I put up a Facebook event and invite everybody, start preparing. And and I was afraid, Richard. I I... I was afraid not to mess up and what would people think? I was in my head. But I started preparing and 30 days later, I'm joining the room. There's 60 people. There's a waiting list. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this, you know? But, but I did it, right? I, I've seen a lot of stuff from, from different speakers. So, so I put together the workshop. I'm done. People are happy. I get them to talk to each other. You know, everybody's happy. I'm like... Oh, finally, right? Did it. Check. But then there was this this uh, lady from China. Uh, I never met her before. And she came after my speech and she wanted to talk to me. And if you, if you know, in, in, in Asia, people are very respectful for, uh, for status. Yeah. I was a speaker. So that means that uh, she treats me like, like, literally like God. She was like, Oh my God, can I speak to you? I'm like, okay. It's like, I want to survive this speech, right? Um, but, but she doesn't know. She thinks I'm the speaker. I'm the, I'm the cool guy there. And so we, we start having a conversation. And, and, and she, she shared with me that she grew up in this environment where she was 25 years old and she never made a decision for herself. Even for this event, she had to call her parents and say, Here's this event. Should I go or should I not go? And she told me that when she gets married, her husband will tell her what to do. She never knew that she can make decisions for herself. And, and now that she came to this event and asked them to close their eyes and imagine themselves five years in the future living, you know, the dream movie of their life. And, you know, I led them to this guided visualization, right? Yeah. And she shared with me, I got to share with you, when you asked me to close my eyes, I came up with this story. I want to be a storyteller. I want to empower other women in China like myself 
to show up for themselves and be their own leaders. Thank you. Then she gives me a hug and she doesn't let go. She just, she just sticks to me, right? And, and I was staying there and I'm like, oh my God, how many stories like this could I have created if it wasn't for my fear? In my mind, I was like, uh, what do people think? Am I ready? Me, me, me. What if I can inspire one person? What if I'm the vehicle for, for, for one person listening to this podcast, right? To, to yeah. say, hey, you know what? I got I to take a leap of faith. I got to move with these things I've been postponing for, for a couple of years now. Um, so, so those of you listening, you, you have a great story. You can be inspiration to, to people. You can be going for that thing that you are afraid to. You're never going to be ready. You just have to take a leap of faith. So that, that was for me the point of uh, no return, Richard. Wow. Okay. And so, so you've done that one workshop. You've still got your movie business. You know, how do you like plot your way through to doing this full time? Well, the truth is it wasn't really easy. <laughs> so basically, and you probably read in the book, basically the next several months, um, it was a transition time and, and I had to accept the fact that I need to find a part-time job so I can support myself while I'm business, my speaking and consulting business. You don't just say, hey, you know, I'm going to be a speaker and then you get 20 clients at the door, right? So um, I got to be honest, I wasn't really ready for this. I was postponing this decision, but at some point I realized I should go for it. And imagine I was 30 years old, award-winning movie producer, master degree from a prestigious university, ego, 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 right? Like you, you're like, I need to find something better. But at the end of the day, I, 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 made, uh, I made a move. I took a job as a dishwasher in Radisson Hotels and I started washing dishes. And I wish I can say it was, uh, it was fine and it was pleasant. It was not. <laughs> I hated it. But as you said, I, I always try to look for the positive and, and try and see what's good about it. So I'll spend two, three days a week washing dishes and sometimes riding Radisson Hotels in Aarhus in Denmark is uh, it's quite big. So sometimes they will create parties and banquets for 1,500 people. And then we have three dishwashers have to take care of all the dishes, right? So you stay until four in the morning and then the day after you have a workshop and you have to teach people how to be successful. <laughs> so you got to put yourself together, right? But, but for me, and I, I really switched my perspective and I was like, how can I get the best out of this not so pleasant experience? Well, nobody's around me when I'm washing dishes. What if I put on my headphones and I listen to audiobooks? What if I listen to podcasts? What if this is my dishwashing university where I can learn, I can listen? <laughs> I and, and I can also learn to be humble, right? Yeah. So um, the next uh, close to a year, I've been working part-time as a dishwasher, trying to find my way. And I can share a lot of uh, lessons I learned uh, for those of you who might be interested in uh, building your coaching, consulting, speaking business. But, but I will, I'll let you, Richard, <laughs> lead me to where you think we should go. Well, I, I suppose what's interesting is what, what kept you going, you know, for that whole year. Like, cause, and you talk about this in, in the Perform book, right? That, that patience is a big, a big part of success, right? So I'm guessing that's part of it. But yeah, what, what else was keeping you going uh, until you were able to make the, the, the full transition? 
Definitely patience is, is, a, is a great trait to, <laughs> to acquire. I would say it's purpose. It's um, when you find something that you're so passionate about, it's just, it's just dishwashing becomes your vehicle to get there. I'm not dishwashing to wash dishes, even though there's a lot of servant attitude in, in washing dishes, but, but I'm washing dishes and this is my vehicle to live my dream. I love my mm. profession right now. I can't wait to wake up in the morning and start doing stuff. Uh, I love what I do and I love the purpose. I love the kind of difference that it creates for, for organizations, for individuals. I mean, I'm getting pumped up, Richard. I, you probably, you're in the same kind of industry, so you know. You receive an email, Stoyan, I met you two years ago at this conference and you did this speech and, and I still use your spreadsheet template and it changed my life. Yeah. And initially you're like, change your life? Come on, man. You know, I didn't change your life. You changed your life. Maybe I was this this little trigger for you, right? But yeah. for me, for me, that's 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 the answer. Um it's it's not, by the way, it's not a accident that the first letter from the perform acronym is P for purpose and values. Once you identify right. your mission, once you identify your why. It's much easier to wake up in the morning when you don't feel like waking up and to do the stuff that is inconvenient. Yeah, yeah. And you, 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 and did you have any kind of practice or to, to keep that present for yourself? Or was there, you know, was it just always there? You mean in terms of the speaking consulting? You know, no, just just to, to stay connected that 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 purpose. Like, did you have any like specific practices that mm -hmm. kind of kept mm -hmm. you on track, mm -hmm. that kept you stable? Yeah, I mean, initially, <laughs> this is so. I probably will post it in the comments afterwards. Initially, I, I I did this little kind of a vision board. I used a word document. I. I put a picture of me next to Tony Robbins in like a big stage. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote down, I wrote down all these kind of, uh, you know, the goals, how many people I'm going to impact, and you know, they're writing me back. And, and I joined this workshop, and and we were brainstorming. Uh, I think we were four or five people in a in a Zoom breakout room, and and everybody had to brainstorm um, ideas why people should live their passion. And, and one of the people in the room said, if you're living your passion 10 out of 10, right, maximum to the maximum, you should always fly at the front of the plane and drive in the back of the car. Like, you know, there was this kind of a, like, you know, the, the lifestyle, the, the impact you're going to make, like all these kind of things. So um, initially I do, I did a lot of, uh, you know, visualizing myself doing what I wanted to do. Um, you know, and, and really Richard, it's, it's, it's also about, I, I live these things, you know, I, I'm a sucker for personal development, like for productivity. I read these books all the time. I, I do my meditations. Like for me, it's, it's a passion. It's a hobby. Um, so yeah, I think visualization, getting back and reading my goals, um, and just doing the things and seeing the results kept me going. Right. Right. And so you, you, just as you said, that reminds me of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the British band Oasis. Nope. No. So they're a huge band in Britain. Yeah. And, um, but the lead singer, uh, Liam Gallagher is his name, but he had a, a photo on his bedroom wall of um, John Lennon. And, uh, 
and he became, you know, and they were known in their time as like the new, the new, the new Beatles, right? Uh, they became in the UK at least, not globally, but in the UK as, as certainly as big as the Beatles for their for their moment. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely something to that, isn't there? That just the fixating on on someone who embodies who you want to be. Yeah, absolutely, for you, that man. was Tony Robbins. Definitely had a huge influence on me, uh, especially after attending his events in London a couple of times um, and seeing what what actually is possible when you when you shift your mindset, when you change the way you see the world. Like Wayne Dyer had this, I think, when you change the way you see the world, the world you see changes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just, and the reason I'm sort of probing on this is because I think, because I'm somebody who's been and done vision boards and done those things. Um, but I'm always interested in how, how do you keep it present, right? And there may be other people who've been to those workshops, but it's never kind of really worked. And, you know, it's like, how do you, and, uh, but, but you as having something on your wall, constant reminders, getting into the meditation, you, you were building habits. So. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Uh, it's been it's been it's been different for me, and I, I would say I do a lot less these days because I'm I'm very convinced and and confident around these things. Uh, I do meditation for sure. That's uh, that's something that keeps me grounded. I wish I can say I'm perfect. I'm way far from perfect, like everybody else, by the way, who is BSing about it. <laughs> but uh, meditation for sure. Checking my goals. Um, sometimes when I feel kind of down. And that might sound funny, but but I look at my LinkedIn wall and newsfeed, and I'm like, oh, look at all the cool things that are happening, all the people, how happy they are. So that keeps me going. Like looking backwards, um, I'm very consistent with journaling, and and I have two types of journals. I think I learned the first one for the first time uh, came out of listening to Tim Ferriss. Uh, I don't know if you're aware about uh, this concept of uh, morning pages. He calls it right. Yeah. And it's, it's basically, I do it either first thing in the morning or if I feel overwhelmed. So basically it's about dumping all the BS from my head, anything that's on my mind. I, you know, wake up and it's like, Oh, I had a bad day. This is not working. Duh, 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 duh. All the stuff, all the crap I put it down on. I'm actually using just word, right? My pages. Um, I don't like to write even though the, there's a lot of benefits of writing with your hand, but but I just I just that's how I do it. It works for me because it's efficient. Mm. I'm really fast in typing, <laughs> so so I'll, I'll do morning pages. And once I feel like okay, okay, I'm good. Sometimes sometimes I'm so overwhelmed that I need to ask myself the question: What worries me? What am I stressed about? If I feel I'm stressed, I'm off track. I gotta ask myself this question, and and then. And there's a practice, you can also see it in the book, Richard, I'm sure you've saw it. We call it um, worry clearing tool, clearing your worries. And okay. it's a very simple technique. So basically you can, you can use just one of these or a spreadsheet, yeah. whatever you prefer. So you ask yourself the question, what stresses me? What, what concerns me these days? And then on the left side of the pages, you write all the things that stress you that are within your control. And in the right side, you write all the things that stress you that you have no control over. Right. Now, I'm very analytical, mathematical brain, right? So I like to kind of quantify them. So I give them a number from one to 10 in terms of the number of impact. Like what is the impact it has on my life and my business? So 
you know, so I, I give them these numbers so I, I can measure them. And then I start looking at them and say, well, for the things I can control, what could I do? What might I do? Well, I don't know. Okay, who might be somebody who can help me? Then I start, you know, bullet, bullet pointing some ideas who I can talk to. What can I do? Maybe not today, but what can I do in the next few days or weeks? And then I look into the list of things I cannot control. And then yeah. I have to ask myself a question. How can I accept these things? How can I let it go? Mm. Is, is there a learning? Is there a possibility, an opportunity coming out of these events? I don't know. Somebody in your life passed away. You know, your industry is being disrupted by AI. Um, can't really control that. Maybe you can change the way you look at it. Maybe you can shift, but you can't really control this event from happening, right? Um, but you got to find meaning. How can I shift my mindset about that so I can let it go, even if that's very dangerous for my life or for my business? I can make a shift and I can get back to a more present and productive state, solution-oriented state. You know, is it helpful to stay in this uh, state in which I'm feeling hopeless and and I'm complaining and whining. There's no need for that, right? You're human. You're human. Yeah. So you might, you might, uh, each of us is going to have a plethora of emotions every day, right? Like, but we shouldn't stay there. It's mm. within our control to say, you know what? I'm not going to stay in this place. Thank you, fear. Great signal. I take it from here. All right. What right. can we do? Yeah. Yeah, great. No, I love that. And I know in the book, you were presumably writing it close to COVID, right? That was one of the, uh, you know, that, that was a factor for a lot of people. But I love that idea, you know, during that time, they could do nothing about, but I, I love that idea of acceptance. Let, let, let that be. And that's almost as important, right, as the looking at what I can control, because if I've accepted it and made peace with it, that's not consuming my, my thought process, right? And I've got more space then to work on the things I can control. And you know, since I mentioned AI, uh, lately I've been thinking about this concept of if you, are, if you have ChatGPT has all your data about your life, your decisions, your, what, how you're thinking, everything, right? And if you ask AI, what should I do now so I can be most productive? In, you know, you're in a crisis, in a difficult situation, and you ask AI, what would be the best thing to do? Just ask yourself this question, right? Would AI say, you know, spend two hours whining and complaining about it? Probably not. <laughs> so so what, what would be the most productive way to, to go forward? Maybe you need to spend uh, 30 minutes venting off and talking to a friend. That's okay. But can you consciously decide what's the best thing for you and for your future self uh, so you can spend more time in, the, in a more productive space? Um, so taking you back, you're like you're, you're a year in. You've you're 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 doing the dishwashing, but you're, you're building up your coaching business. In that period, I'm interested. What were the what were your messages that most resonated? Where did you start to find hooks and 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 build your platform on in the beginning? What what did people love from what you were saying? I'd say I'm one of these people doesn't need motivation much. So I I go 
and I jump into the deep waters without knowing how to swim. Um, so a few of the things that really helped me at that time was, uh, number one, direct customer feedback, like reaching out to the market and understanding what a market actually needs. Um, and initially, I was having a hypothesis which were not necessarily true. Uh, so slowly and consistently, I can see what the customers needed and wanted from a speaker, from a consultant, from, and give you an example, I did a number of workshops initially, and the first few workshops I did were not paid. I just convinced some of my friends who had companies to let me do a workshop and yeah. write me testimonials and feedback. So I remember this first workshop, um, I think I did a pretty okay workshop presentation, but it was 90% me talking. Uh, and, and, then, and then the CEO of this, this startup came to me and said, Stoyan, we love your energy. But uh, if you want to engage people, it's not about you. You need to get people to talk, to do exercises, to, to discuss, to resolve certain problems. And you are just more of a moderator. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Let me, let me take a note. Right? So if you look at my workshops and, and my, my programs these days, it's... 90% about them. I might share some strategies, some tools, some great examples to get them going. And I have a lot of energy, but, but it's about how can I get them to talk about the things that they don't usually talk about because there's mm -hmm. not enough time in a company context, for example. Yeah. So I would say that was, uh, that was, um, that's also for those of you who are listening, who are interested into becoming an entrepreneur and Richard, you, you're in this industry as well, you know, many entrepreneurs, especially tech founders, very technical people, they are not so good in execution. They're not so good into going out and selling before they have the product. You know, hey, we're building this app and it's going to be the fastest. Okay, great. How many customers have you spoken to? Oh, but we are not there yet. You need to build it first and spend six months wasting our time and, and energy. It's like, okay, you are never going to talk about your product to anybody, you're going to spend six months, then you're going to ask people and they'll tell you, we don't need that. Mm. Great idea. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, like day one is the time you, you, you have a little mock-up and you go and say, hey guys, I'm thinking about having this kind of thing. What do you think? And there's an example we, we added to the book. I'm going to wrap it up here with that. But, but there's an example we added in the book. There's multiple examples. Every, every successful founder, entrepreneur, leader, is exceptionally good in execution. Um, there's this startup from Denmark called Remote More. I was coaching the founders at the beginning of their journey. And what I love about them is that they are data analysts. Just to give you an idea, and I have somewhere here the numbers even. Um, when I asked them, how much do you guys work per week? They said for the past uh, 2.53 years, we worked 72.1 hours a week. Like they, they have spreadsheets, right? They measure. They're data analysts. They, they, don't, they don't let their emotion control their decisions. Uh, and I love it because they, they read this book, The Lean Startup, right? Uh, and, and they started following some of the strategies. You need to have a hypothesis and then you have to validate it. And so I had a one-on-one -on -one session with one of the founders and he says, Stoyan, I want to reach out to 300 potential customers on the phone in the next three, four days. Do you think that's okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fine, man. <laughs> so, 
So their goal was to call 300 people for 10, 15 minute uh, conversation and ask them about their product. These are people they don't know. These are right. HR people in the US. They don't know them, right? So they set this goal and we have uh, the following week, we had a, another session and, uh, and he's like, he's coming to, he was really sweet. So I set the goal for 300, but we only managed to reach 276. Do you think it's okay? <laughs> it's like for three or four days. And, and, and wow. most people never reach, reach out to more than 10 potential customers. Mm. But, but, but you can do it. You can do it. You know, you set the goal and you do it. You get it done. So, I mean, speed matters. I think speed matters. Yeah. Reminds me a bit of the, the, the 10x, um, um, what's he called? Uncle uh, Gar- uh, Grant. Grant. Grant yeah. Cardone. Yeah, Grant Cardone. Uncle, Uncle Grant. Uncle right? Grant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so true, isn't it? That, that, and, 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 and Tony Robbins talks about it as well, doesn't he? The sort of massive action, that idea of like setting a, a goal that feels w- way beyond. I'm going for it. And I, I can do so much better, Richard, to be honest, like even today, like there was another example I added to the book and it was the time I realized how much you can actually achieve when, when you don't have a plan B and you have a very clearly defined goal. So mm. in, I think it was 2000, either 17 or 18, we were organizing this uh, uh, exclusive mastermind retreat in Bulgaria. Uh, called Samudiva Mastermind Retreat. And the whole idea came actually inspired by Tony Robbins and his uh, platinum product where right. you, you go to a super cool place with a bunch of amazing people. You spend a week, you empower each other, you, you cut the crap, you talk about all your challenges and, and you, you come out of it like really transformed. So that was the idea. The problem was we launched it very late. I think we had like less than a month. So we had to sell... 12 seats at this retreat for less than a month. And nobody knew what a retreat is, not to say this premium exclusive retreat. And it was kind of pricey, right? So, so how do we convince people to get into something that they don't even know what it is? They have to spend a week, right? How do you spend a week, a month from now? So a lot of things were not really easy in that sense. But, but the, the, the good thing about it, Richard, was we had to prepay for the flights and for the hotels and everything else. So we were already on a loss. Okay. So, so very simple. I'm already on a loss. <laughs> there's, there's a very con- concrete goal. We need to sell these tickets for this price uh, by this date. Clear. I got to tell you, man, I was, I was all in and my partners as well. It was like, I counted, I reached out to 1400 people calling on the phone, calling on messenger, sending a message. I'm in the bus. I'm just recording a message, an audio message. I'm doing live events. Like, I mean, it was crazy. I went to the dentist and I was selling him the retreat. He almost joined. Like, you know, the, the waiter in a freaking restaurant. Like, it was crazy. I was just so in. And, you know, by the end of the, at the, end of the day, we, we managed to, 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 to make it happen. I think we have 11 participants because one of them uh, couldn't make it because of visa challenge with a visa. But, but then, you know, it, it was, 
I was also smashed, let's be honest. <laughs> but but after this experience, I came home and I'm like, man, how much more can I can I do if I'm focused? If I define the goal I want, right? Whatever it is, I want to get this number of clients. I want to lose weight, like 10 kilos, whatever. When you define clearly your goal and then you build it backwards and say, what has to happen? What is the number one activity I need to focus on that will get me there? Another amazing book I recommend to everybody is the book called The One Thing by Jay Papasan and Gary Keller. If you haven't read it, go get yourself a copy. They built one of the biggest real estate companies in the world. It was in top three. Uh, until recently. So they're, they're business people, multiple businesses, but they're also really, really cool people with a lot of free time to do the things that matter to them. They built the whole business, business empire, if you may, around a simple philosophy, a simple question. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or necessary? Mm. Think about this question. For next time you, you're checking your to-do list or if you have a specific goal, you want to improve your relationship. Okay, what's the one thing you can do in your relationship such that by doing it, everything else will be easy or necessary? Marketing campaigns. You have a list of 17 different uh, marketing ideas. Okay, what's the one thing we can do such that by doing it, we can reach this goal that we are setting ourselves to? Then you identify this one thing, you prioritize it, you block it in your calendar, and you protect it. I mean, think about the momentum you can, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it struck me in the book, it, you had this story um, with uh, your, your coaching Federico uh, Bortoletto. That's and right. And you're asking him, you know, what, have I got that right? Right. What, what percentage of his time, this guy, is he spending on his key priorities? And he's like 5 to 10%. As I read that section, I thought, yeah, how, how many of my days am I in that boat, right? Where I'm putting like 90% of my day on admin and 5% on the thing I really need to do. And you helped him flip to like 70 to 80% on his key priorities, right? I, I, I thought it was a yeah, powerful story. And the truth is most people never take the time to identify their priorities. Yeah. We call them in the book, the vital few, but let's call them priorities. And let's, to make it simple, let's think about the business. By the way, you might not be an entrepreneur. You probably work for a company, right? So, so this is your company. This is your business. What are the top three priorities or type of activities when you do them, you create most value for the business? You know, take the time, write 20, and identify your top three. What are these? Okay, good. As you said, what percentage of your time is being allocated towards these priorities at the moment? And, and then what do you want it to be? What do you mm. think it should be? Now, there are certain businesses you can't go over 40, 50%, right? But that's okay. At least be conscious. Where do I want to be in the ideal case, in the ideal world? Cool. 5%, I want to be at 60 Interesting. How do I get there? How can I win two hours already this week? What am I procrastinating on? 
What are the biggest time wasters? It's not a question. If uh, I think we, we call it uh, if I had a gun <laughs> kind of exercise. <laughs> but it's like if, if I had a gun and I'm Eastern European and if I knew where your parents live and your task, your mission is to cut out 20% of the things that you currently do, the one with the least you know, impact. And if you don't do it, then I'll send the, the Eastern European mafia to, to kill your parents. The Sophia mafia is going to come around. <laughs> there you go. No, but like, just think about it. Like, if you have to, there's no other way around it. Yeah. What would be this 20% of, of BS tasks that you're allocating your, your time and energy on? Mm. Identify them and, and then ask yourself, how, how can I be more disciplined so I can stay focused on, on the things that really matter? That really moving the needle. It's not rocket science, Richard. Everybody's looking for the, the, you know, the secret magic pill that's going to, the three steps would change my life. It, it's discipline. It's habits. It's identifying what matters to you. What are your priorities? What are the tangible, measurable goals? And then being consistent into reviewing this on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, so you can remain focused on the things that matter most yeah yeah and, and and the blocking time i think is an important point in all of this right like it's 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 not just like having on a list and identify it's it's protecting the time that's that's the, like the implementation of it but right? uh especially today right especially if you're working in you know large corporation calendars are just rammed aren't they it's and, and let's really be honest it's very part. it's very difficult actually like in corporate um one of the biggest challenges there is that people get dragged into meetings they don't need to be at, right? So, so you receive an invitation, and if the system and the structure of the corporation is that you need to accept and be there, there's companies that, I work with a lot of companies, employees are complaining that 80% of their time is meetings. Mm. So they have 20% of time to actually get something done. Um, so, so let's put that into the equation. For the leaders listening, you might want to, to review the way you guys are setting meetings because that's a big productivity cost. But hey, again, there's things that are within your control. You can, you can sit down and spend 15 or 20 minutes at the end of your working day to review your day, analyze how you can do better, and identify what are the top priorities for the next day. And then I'm going to do the time blocking. What, the, yeah. what doesn't get scheduled doesn't get done. Yeah. Or may not get done. May not get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. like writing, Richard. We're writing our second book. I don't like writing. Like, I, I like to talk, <laughs> right? I would never have written a book if it wasn't for me to, to, to have a strategy and say, Stoyan, you have a meeting with yourself tomorrow from 9 to 11.30, 90-minute meeting with a cup of coffee, where you have to write two pages from your book. Good, good. Block it in my calendar, set up a meeting, tell my team I'm D&D, don't disturb. Now, nine o'clock comes and I'm like, ah, oh, I need to write. Okay. But, but there is nothing around it. That's it. Yeah. I don't have any, like, and then it's like, check your Facebook, check your email. Like my brain, my, the monkey in my brain starts coming and trying to distract me. 
And that's what I do. I, I learn it somewhere. You just write it down. There's a distraction. I write it down on the piece of paper. I'm not going to forget about it. Get back to writing, man. Get back to writing. There's one specific thing, right? Time blocking, guys. It's major. You can read a lot about Pomodoro, the so-called Pomodoro technique, yeah. 25 minutes of focused time on a single task and then five minutes of a break. Like depending on the task, it could be 90 minutes with 10, 15 minute break. Breaks are really important as well. Yeah, you said uh, that in the book. I was interested that the five minute break is really important for productivity, right? No, but we, we've even done that, Richard. We've done that. Like I, I got a bunch of uh, people who are as obsessed about productivity as I am. And we went to this uh, mountain co-working space in the mountain. And we just broke down the whole day into, into chunks. All right, guys, let's work. Whatever. 60 minutes, then 10 minutes break. 60 minutes, 10 minute break. Man, that was the most productive day ever. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. It, but this 60 minutes is not just working. It's like you identified the biggest priorities and the activities you do. You set a clear result and then you build it backwards. By the way, this is the biggest, the biggest mindset shift that came from me attending productivity and time management workshops. This is at the base of everything. You need to start with the end in mind. Mm. Super simple. Everybody knows it. What are, you, what are you after? What do you want to achieve? Tomorrow I'm going to do sales. Great. You can do sales for 15 hours. What do you want to achieve? What is the measurable, tangible outcome? David Allen, the, the author of GTD, Getting Things Done. We're both fans of the system. David was also a guest on my podcast, Productivity Mastery. Mm. Go check out the episode. I'll post it in the comments. It's mind-blowing. But um, one of the things he shared with me was Stoy and the outcomes and actions are the zeros and ones of productivity, right? What does done look like? What is the final outcome of whatever it is you do? Business-wise, personally, right? You want to go on a holiday. What's your outcome, Richard? What do you want to get out of this holiday? Yeah. Just getting on a holiday, it's not enough. Because for some people, it might be I wanted to connect with the person that I love and make them feel loved. Okay, that's one outcome. Great. Maybe you are going to structure and design your vacation differently when you know what's the final outcome. I had a coaching yeah. client. He calls me. He calls me. We were working on, on some key productivity concepts with him. And one day he calls me and, and I gave him, I don't know if you remember in the book, there's this uh, five-step uh, perform planning methods, you know, how, right, to, yeah. how to organize your list uh, in a smart way. Um, so I, we were talking about outcomes and why is it important to identify the, the end outcome and then organize your day accordingly. So talk about it. Then he calls me following session and he's like man this outcome thing is a game changer man okay what, what happened well look you asked me to make this spreadsheet and i did it okay good <laughs> so he identified his outcomes and one of his outcomes was connect with my sister and make her understood and love mm. and, and and so so he because she's younger than him she would call him usually, and he would try to lecture her that she's not doing the right things. 
and he knows better and you got to do this. And then she'll stop listening and, you know, they start arguing. Yeah. So he told me, she calls me and, and five minutes into the conversation, I start lecturing her what to do. <laughs> and she's getting, she's getting annoyed. It, but 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 his spreadsheet was open on the on an, another okay. time, right? And and he reads, connect with my sister and made her feel loved and understood. And he's like, am I doing this, <laughs> or, or am I achieving this outcome with my activities? Hmm. No. What can I do to achieve this outcome? How about I ask questions? How about I listen? And then he started doing that. Hmm. I understand. So what else? How, how is that making you feel? What would you like to get? Like, you know, he said we had the, the most amazing conversation. We spent two hours on Zoom. We connected. We cried together. And I'm so grateful. Know your outcome. <laughs> know your intention. Yeah. Yeah, powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Um, the other thing you, you mentioned in the book, uh, talk to me about frogs and honey. <laughs> Oh, you want to talk about the, the high impact and the, uh, yeah. what do you call it? The... Yeah, I mean, look, um, people never identify what, uh, what are the things that, uh, that matter most. Let me just open it in front of me because we, we wrote the book a couple of years ago. So let me just uh, have it and I can give you a better understanding of that. Uh, I, I believe that was the chapter of effective planning. That you're referring to? Yeah, I, well, I can, I can lay it out. So what I liked, because I'd heard about Eat Your Frog in the morning before, um, but what, mm -hmm. I, what I quite liked is that you've, you've got this grid, right? And it's, it's increasing difficulty and increasing impact. As mm -hmm. you've got high difficulty but high impact, those are your frogs. Low difficulty and high impact, that's your honey. And then, like, obviously, high difficulty and low impact, forget it, and uh, low difficulty, low impact picnic. <laughs> I thought that was just... <laughs> It's great. Like, how often do we spend our day in like picnic, right? Like, we're just like, <laughs> this is easy stuff, but it's probably not having that much of an impact. Um, how lot? How often do we really take the time to think about well, what are the low difficulty that really going to give me some benefit, the honey, and then like, what are your frogs, and when are you going to eat them, right? I, by the way, by the way, the frogs, like, like I'm now here in front of me is the graph. I actually I created the graph, but again, we wrote the book in 2020, so I need to make sure that I have the all the, all the examples right. So, um, impact versus difficulty, right? And the reason we wrote frogs in high impact but with high high difficulty is coming from uh, you are aware probably with the very fundamental book about time management called Eat That Frog. Yeah. So eat that frog. It's a it's a phrase. It's a quote from Mark Twain from the 19th century. And what he wanted to say is, if you have to eat a living frog, do it first thing in the morning. So your frogs, in terms of your time management, are the tasks that are usually difficult, but they have high impact. The ones that you like to postpone. So what, uh, what the main idea is, do it first thing in the morning. There was a continuation. If you have to eat many frogs, start with the ugly one first. <laughs> so, and it's a really good language. Sometimes when we do workshops with companies, it becomes their language, right? So it's like, hey, mm. Michael, what's a, what are your frogs for today, right? What are your frogs? The, the high impact, high difficulty tasks. 
obviously we want to do the honey, right? Something that's easy, effortless, and uh, but it gives us a lot of great results. The question is, and, and, and this is more like a, you can find it in the book, but you can also imagine it, right? Um, impact from low to high and difficulty from easy to hard. You make a quadrant and then you think about all your tasks and responsibilities at the moment and try to place them in this box. And then you try to make sense of it, right? What should I say no to? What should I do more of? What are the things that I keep procrastinating for, for quite a long time? And just to give you an example, I, I coached this startup and uh, there was a Russian guy, a founder, great founder. And the, at the end of the workshop, uh, we first did a workshop, then we did a coaching session. At the end of the workshop, he, he's like, but Stoyan, I have uh, 75 uh, things on my to-do list. It's crazy. Okay, let's talk. So I, I have a look at his to-do list. He was keeping everything. He had some tasks that were due, and I have a screenshot, that were due 625 days. And he, they, they stay on his to-do list. Every, every day he wakes up, he sees this to-do list with 75 things. And he stresses about it. Oh my God, I haven't done it. <laughs> and it's like, which of those things do you really have to do? Let's organize and prioritize a little bit. What are the actual results? At the end of the day, we, we ended up with uh, him having seven or eight projects or, or key results based on all these things. So he organized them well. And two or three of them, he didn't have to do them at all because they were not important. Just don't keep it on your list. Don't get stressed out, right? So identify your frogs, identify where is the honey, <laughs> and maybe see how there's another great book called Effortless by Greg McCune, which is a continuation of his first book, one of my favorite books called Essentialism. Um, so okay. Essentialism is about what are the most essential things what are the things that really matter? And then Effortless is a sequel, which is about, uh, you know, finding the honey and that uh, perspective, finding the things that come effortlessly for you, but give you great results. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting philosophy. Is it possible to organize your life so you're only ever in the honey? Or and even if it is, is that desirable? That's like an interesting question, right? Yeah, for sure, man. And, and by the way, I did a workshop uh, last week, a leadership development, the bootcamp in the mountains. I had to do a workshop on productivity and I only had three hours. And I say only because usually, you know, I do two, three day bootcamps to go really in depth to discuss these topics. So I went through all the concepts. I shared a lot of examples, videos, check this out. Let's do a discussion. And at the end of the workshop, somebody asks me, um, Stoyan, I'm just wondering, are you always perfect with all these things that you shared today? And I was like, oh, I was so much in a hurry that I, I didn't manage to convey the fact that we're just humans and, and whoever is speaking in front of you telling you, this is what you should do. They don't do it a hundred percent. I mean, we're, we're having bad days. Uh, everybody's trying to be their best. Some people more than others, right? But, you know, if you can manage to be consistent 70, 80% of the time, you're good. You know, everybody, Richard, you are speaking to some of the most successful people in the world. You know that they're not perfect. They had bad days. 
They had time that they wake up and they don't know what to do. They're confused. Um, it's okay. It's okay. I think we're conveying a very wrong message that when you become an entrepreneur, we're going to build a unicorn company and just piece of cake. And, and that was my perspective of what entrepreneurship is before I became one. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, it's not what they said. <laughs> there's, so, there's so much more difficulties, right? We say in the book, um, starting your own company is like you are entering the jungle. There was a study that we found that only one out of 10 startups survives in the first four or five years. Yeah. Doesn't mean that the other companies are making, uh, making money or something. They just, they just still up and running, right? It's more, we have to, we have to set the expectations, right? And it's, it's very interesting. I travel all around the world. I speak at conferences and recently I've been asking questions, especially to more entrepreneurial crowds. How many of you here in the audience want to build a unicorn company? 85, 90% of people want to build a unicorn company, which is a company valued over 1 billion USD. Okay, good. Why? Why do you want to build a unicorn company? Because it's the, the cool, fun thing that everybody talks about. Like, why? Do you know what it takes to build a unicorn company? Because I talk to the founders of unicorn companies. It is not sunshine and roses, I'll tell you that. It's tough. It's really tough. It's, yeah. uh, it might take you five or 10 years, for some less. Uh, making an exit, according to one study, takes between seven and 11 years with your startup. And this, it, I'm talking about 70, 80, 90 hour work weeks. The founder of Freebook was a guest on my podcast. And we talked about the persistence and execution. And he told me, Stoyan, it took us 21 years to finally scale and make it. 21 years of struggle. Um, so they failed six times to, to enter the American market, which meant huge scale for, for their right. company. Uh, and it was, it was tough for him and for his, his brother. And that's, that's the journey. You, you got to love the struggle. You got to learn to love the struggle and to, to expect it. Because if you don't expect it, it's it going to hit you hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a point, you know, really well made. And I think that, that something I've learned from my own lesson, I mean, obviously I've not built a unicorn and I do understand that that is, a, you know, another level of, of commitment and time effort and so on to build those types of companies. Um, but, at, you know, the entrepreneurship that I'm engaged in, I'm also just acutely aware, I give myself permission to and heal, right? That's a big theme on our podcast because... You can do so. In my experience, you can you can do you can get enormous gains from all of the you know this pro focus on productivity and using many of the techniques that you've outlined and so on. But sometimes it's you you've got to kind of go, and I don't know your experience. You've got to go a layer deep. You've almost got to give yourself the permission to just drop all the productivity, and 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 I've done this many many times, and just okay, today I just need to you know be with my feelings or. Or, or have a cry, or just drop it all and let and let my body need what it needs to do, and allow that to happen. And then I can, you know, I can pick up again. But when I come back to the, you know, to the to the outward orientation, I've got a lot more, you know, power and, and energy to to tackle that. 
does that does that make sense what i've said yeah and thank you thanks for bringing that up because this is this is what i believe in as well and and in a way when we say productivity we we think about efficiency porn right um that's not the point of having living a life of productivity the point as you said you're starting with the self-awareness you know who am i where do i want to be what are the things that trigger me and what are the things that push my buttons what are the the kind of areas i need to to work on and improve and self-awareness also comes with as you said and I, that, that's what I find productive. Sometimes you say, I need three days off because I'm off. I'm, I'm not okay. The most productive thing you can do sometimes is go for a walk or, or go for a ski vacation or go to the sauna. You know yourself. You got to feel yourself, right? And I'm very excited to see that the corporate world is opening up more and more for, for these kind of discussions. Uh, so hopefully we can, we can create a world where you know, the human factor is really appreciated. Humans are put at the center. But by the way, by the way, Richard, there's multiple studies that show that people first cultures in organizations lead to better performance, better engagement, better employee retention, and, and so on and so forth. If done properly, if done genuinely, not just... Uh, we are people first. Everybody wants to say we're people first. Are you really? If I ask your, your employees, are you really? But to get back to what you said, yes, uh, it definitely starts with um, here, right? In here. In the, in the heart. And, and I And I found that that's one of the shifts I've had to make is I've had to kind of broaden my frame for productivity because sometimes the outcome is is just healing. It's just being in my body, allowing grief to emerge, whatever it might be. But it's it's an, an, and allowing myself to believe that that is also productive, right? And it's it, it it's it's having that mindset shift and allowing myself, you know, to to be vulnerable and accept that productivity comes in in many forms. And it comes down to who you are, because like, okay, if we look into the the two, the two parts, right? Like this, this, this kind of people that are genuinely high achievers, right? Super achievers, mm. easily motivated. You know, I had a guest on the podcast. I think his name is Giovanni Diesman. Uh, he was using this really great metaphor. He calls them people, uh, water and fire people. <laughs> ah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> right. So, so if you're a more fire person. You're like, let's go, let's move, let's build every single minute. It's going to be, you know, we're productive. Let's do it. Okay. Then, then you're the kind of person that needs to balance out a little bit and, and you needs a little bit more water. All right. Yeah. Um, you got to cool down. You got to take breaks. You have to learn to meditate. Right. You got to go for a walk. Find your ways to balance out with this excessive amount of fire. And the other way around, there's people that, I'm a little bit careful because there's people that use this as an excuse, Richard. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Like Very good point. a lot of a lot of people in this industry, coaches, coaches, they're so lovely, they're so amazing. And they're struggling financially. They don't have clients. And you talk to them, you're like, dude, pick up the phone and call people. Here's a marketing <laughs> book. Get the marketing book. Get one strategy and do it. Yeah, but you know, I just want to go with the flow. 
Dude, we've been going for for five years. You have no clients. Like, go and get shit done. Yeah, I, I made one post today and I'm going with the flow, man. It's like, no. No, you just, this is just excuses. You are, you know, this is not presence. This is excuses. There is a middle ground. So, so if you're more of a water person, you got to find a way to fire up. If you're more of a fire person, you got to find a way to balance the excessive amount of fire. I'm actually curious, which one do you identify with most? Well, I think I think I had to. So I was super fire, right? So not in an entrepreneurial sense, but I was, you know, big, you know, got my degree, went to a big five, you know, as a management consultant, I was rapidly getting promoted in, you know, a big consultancy. So I was like all fire. And I had to, you know, and I, and I just basically hit a, hit a wall and kind of had to find, find water, right? Like I had, and, and I was almost forced, forced to jump in. <laughs> and, and, and so now I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I, I try and find my balance in between. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. Like, and that's what I mean about productivity. You've got to genuinely ask yourself, is this like productive self-work? where I'm doing some deep grieving, which I know there's going to be a breakthrough for me on the other side, you know, or am I just, yeah, distracting myself or telling myself, you know, so you've got, you've got to be, I think it's important, as you say, uh, am, I, am I telling myself I'm doing, doing like work, but really I'm just avoiding something? Uh, or am I really, you know, doing something's important for myself? I think, yeah. So it's a really good point. I, I think I think it was I posted a video from a podcast I did uh, um, a couple of years ago with a uh, very inspiring person, Natalie Turner, and I love the way she described it. Uh, I mean, because we play the video, so I can see exactly what she said. But but she says, for me, productivity is that I'm a, is that I'm achieving what I w- would like to achieve in the best possible way. That makes me really content and happy. I think it's a great way to describe it. Achieving yeah. what you'd like to achieve in the best possible way that makes me content and happy. Right? Yeah. So that comes with also the self-awareness. What are the things that make me happy? What are the things that I have to say no to? What are the areas I need to improve? How can I upgrade my personal operational system? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and and if 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 happiness is your highest value, right? Because I can I can also imagine the same idea. But if your if status was your top value or accomplishment was top value, like you could just rephrase that such that it's consistent with your top value. Yeah, makes sense. Definitely, definitely. Oh, fantastic! I could speak to you for uh, a lot longer. Um, but but talking about getting clients, I've got uh, a meeting with. <laughs> <laughs> prospects. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. So, no, but I love the energy, man. I love talking to you because you're such a genuine guy, and we can have this no filter conversation. And hopefully, mm. uh, those of you who are listening uh, will get something out of it. Make sure to reach out. You know, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. Drop a message if you're interested to to learn more. First of all, subscribe to Richard's podcast. Uh, where can the, they find the podcast, Richard? It's, it's on Apple Podcast, I know. YouTube? Yeah, Apple Podcast. Uh, yeah, it's on uh, Spotify. It's on YouTube. If you just go beinghuman.online, you'll find the link, links to it. all of the episodes. <laughs> and, um, and we'll put the links to your podcast, Productivity Mastery, 
Another right. podcast everybody needs to subscribe to, <laughs> Productivity Master. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and all other major platforms. Conversations with some of the most inspiring, successful people in the world where we are trying to figure out what makes them so successful, how do they build incredible companies, and how do they master the art of so-called mindful productivity. So, hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> Okay. And, uh, and do you have any retreats coming up? I know that's something you do with your business. Is there anything coming up for people? Uh, currently, currently not, actually. We have really focused on uh, serving our corporate clients. So anybody who has a team who would like to bring a little bit of uh, experience uh, when it comes to, you know, workshop on productivity, inspirational session, or you need some help to design your next team offsite, which is not just, as they like to say, Team building is drink building. No, we don't do that. Drinks are important, but but it's also important to create experiences that are meaningful, educational, that bring people together. So make sure to reach out. Always happy to to have a chat about those kind of things. Awesome. And we'll put links to your uh, your company uh, and where they can find you in the description of the podcast. Well, Doyan, thank you once again for joining me from Sophia. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for the work you're doing, uh, for being on this podcast and the work you're doing. Thank you, Richard, and good luck with, with the prospect. <laughs> Thank you. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.